Hello and welcome to another episode of Under the Light. It's been a couple of days since our last one. I hope you enjoyed our debate about England's chances at the Euros, but this time we're going to have a trip down memory lane as we uh, head to Kingston Corner. My name is Tom Murray. My name is Callum Wilson. This is Under the Lights and we're headed over to Kingston Corner. Into Kingston Corner. Obviously, the season has stopped. There's not much to talk about in terms of new Saints info. So, Callum and I are both Southampton fans. We're going to have a little trip down memory lane. So, we are two commentators, audio description commentators for Alan March Sports, Southampton home games. So, we are fortunate enough to provide that service for uh, blind and visually impaired fans, but also as fans to commentate on the team that we love. We have certainly got quite a few memories over the past years. Cam, when, when did. What was your first year of being a Saints fan? Um, probably started going to the Dow about 90, I think 97 or 98, one of that sort of time. I, I for my sins, as, as a child, was a fan of any team that was doing well or any team that my friends supported. So uh, for a couple of years, uh, uh, Manchester United and Beckham and everything else. But once that was... Um, I don't want to say beaten out of me, but once, once I was taught to know better, yeah, I, I, was, I was a Saints fan. I always used to go to the games with my dad anyway, from sort of 97-ish onwards. So I was about seven then. How about yourself? I actually started supporting Saints in the 2004-2005 season. So the year that we got relegated, so um, sorry, my fault for that, wasn't the best start. My first game actually was the Villa home game where we went 2-0 up and I thought, oh, this is easy, this is fine. And then the 3-2 when, well, former Saint Stephen Davis then cropped up at the, uh, at the last bit. Um, I've never actually been to the Dell. I didn't really know much about football before 2004 or whatever. So, um, But like you, I, my first team that I sort of liked when I did like football was Manchester United. I thought, I know, I know, it's just, um, it was it, Rooney and me i didn't really know much about football i did i want this is how much how little i knew i didn't know that actually football clubs i thought it was just the national team and i was really surprised when people started saying yeah you got your man united your arsenal and i was just thinking never heard of these clubs at all but i thought i'm gonna go local and i got taken to a saints game and even though we lost i kind of got hooked yeah well, that's it isn't it i remember that season that was one of the few times where we let lead slip and if you um if that was your first game that was your first season and you stuck around then uh then you're, you're made to be a Saints fan because we've had a lot of that. But going on to the international thing, I think that's the same for a lot of people. The first memories tend to be of international tournaments. Mine was mine was of the 98 World Cup, actually. So it must have been 98-99 season, maybe when I first started going to the games. But that was my first uh, memory getting the wall chart. I was a bit young for the Euros in 96. I'd only been uh, five at that point, so... Um, but yeah, I remember having the wall chart on my bedroom wall and um, Brazil winning that, of course, England in, in, in the groups and going out to Argentina on, on penalties. Um, Saints, like I said, when you're, when you're eight or nine and you're playing football and, and your mates support the big teams and, and all that sort of stuff. So the triple winning season of 98-99 uh, you know, captured me. But a lot of people don't never never really grow up and they carry on supporting Man United and don't uh, don't support their local team and, and go to the proper games. But I realised what was what after seeing a few games at the Dow and watching the likes of Letizia Benali and those those older those older players. Yeah, no, I, I I do wish I had gone to the Dow. I never saw Letizia play. I was you know my my first strike partnership that I watched was. Kevin Phillips and Peter Crouch, although they were in decent form at that time. But yeah, uh, supporting Saints from where I started was pretty much downhill for the first few years. I actually didn't get my first season ticket until 2010-11 season in League One, where we went where we went up. But we lost to Plymouth on the opening day, and I just remember thinking, "What's the turning point?" That was the turning point. You become a fan, and, it, and then uh, as soon as you do invest in the season ticket, that's when uh, the batch of bat promotions came in and, and, and all of that. 
just after the JPT, wasn't it? So, Love that. Uh, Love yeah, that season. It's been, it's been glorious since then. Absolutely. I mean, you know, there's been a few hiccups over the past couple of years, but the, mo- the majority of the uh, memories have been really good. Certainly, like, beyond the wildest dreams of what we were thinking in 2009, where, you know, we thought, are we going to have a club to support? So, obviously, we do we do the commentary. We've got a few questions and a few topics to uh, to go through. Now, we've, we've been doing the commentary now for about a year and a half. Saints' form at home hasn't been spectacular. Uh, but what is the your favourite... What I think that would be put, spectacular. Is probably putting it inc- incredibly kindly. But what's the best? What, what's your favourite goal that you commentated on so far? It's a good point, actually. I hadn't really thought about that when we um, decided to do this podcast and talk about our own experiences and ask a few questions. Obviously, as fans, but as as commentators as well. But actually, since we started doing this in the summer of eighteen. Say that's coincided with with some pretty rancid formats and Mary's uh, the worst in the league, and there's been a bit of an upturn in that in the last season or so. But, yeah, it's pretty poor season. The one before was under under uh, Hughes and then Arsenal. At all. Um, what was the question? What was, the, what was my favourite goal to commentate on? Yeah, what's the best goal or favourite goal? Are they different? The best and the, your favourite, or uh, are they both the same goal? I think varying reasons really. I I really uh, enjoyed commentating on the um, the winner against Arsenal. I was, I was privileged enough to to be involved in that game. We we, we won three two. And you know what? I'm, I can't even remember the goal that I'm talking about. I just remember uh, it's probably Charlie Austin or, or something like that. Oh, is it, is I just it... remember three two in December. Yeah, and uh, and back back and forth. I think we we were in control, and then they came back into it. And I thought to myself, "Oh, they're going to turn this around." I could only see them scoring, and we managed to uh, we managed to get a goal sort of out of nowhere. And I think uh, against against a team like Arsenal, and and so many goals and such a thrilling game, and for it to just go the correct way, mm-hmm. um, and it was just after it was the first game that Ralph. Passing at all was in charge of actually first home game, mm. so it was almost uh, a few seasons of, of relegation fears and um, and pretty dour football and maybe nil nils and one nils yeah. under previous managers. It was it was almost a sign of things to come that we were we were going to loosen the shackles, play some good football, and uh, in the end it went it went our way. Yeah, it, it did. I, I I couldn't quite believe it when I saw that Austin had got the winner at the end because I remember I was just. I, I, I think it was, yeah, yeah. It, I think I was actually at the time I was putting Christmas decorations up and I was told I need to concentrate on that. So I was just nipping back to uh, my phone just to check the score. And when I saw it was two all, I was just waiting for the inevitable Arsenal winner. And then to see that Austin had scored and that it hadn't been disallowed or anything like that because I think a couple of matches previous he got that goal where it was deemed offside because Yoshida was slightly in the eyesight of the goalkeeper. Anyway, that was where Charlie Austin had his um, famous park life run. But... Yeah, that was Watford. I was there for that one as well. I, I, I thought it was Austin because I got confused uh, often with those two goals because he, yeah, he scored um, from close range, didn't he? And, and Yoshida was just have been in the way but either way yeah same same ends and, and it was the same sort of time but that, that was that was probably my my best what about yourself my the, the best the, in terms of quality the best saints goal that i've commentated on has got to be the first one i ever did which was hoybier against brighton where he hit that low shot from about 35 30 yards out and that caught me by surprise i being i didn't think that the first goal to commentate on would be that good so i was actually told by the guy who was uh, just giving us a few tips that I needed to actually describe what had happened to the goal because I kept on saying, like, what an incredible goal. But my favourite goal to ever commentate on has got to be the Armstrong goal against Aston Villa of this season. I don't know what I don't know exactly what it was about it, but the fact that you knew as soon as Adams played the ball that Armstrong's got an empty net, you knew it was it would take a lot for it not to be a goal. And, you know, he's 40 yards out, but you're already starting to celebrate that, you know, it's going to go 2 0 and the Saints are going to get a win. That They completely battered Aston Villa, but for some reason, they just couldn't get that second goal for ages. And then, of course, it was like the sheer elation of after the fact that Villa got a corner in the last minute, the goalkeepers come up, you think, oh, they're going to have their one chance and they're going to score and get one of the most undeserved draws. Because Villa, they were shocking in that game. I remember... Rayner just kept on doing these little dink goal goal kicks that 
Villa yeah. players were just not on the same wavelength. He was just trying to chip it out and Bertrand and I don't know who was on the other side. It probably was Ward Prowse playing at right back, but they just were on it every time and Ings could have had a hat-trick. But yeah, Armstrong loved, loved commentating on that goal. Whilst we... They were all defensively, I remember that. They had three in the back and they were like, every single one of them was less than, than useless. Didn't, wasn't that the good? I think Shane Long scored with um, his gentleman's region, I think, in that game as well. Because I didn't. I, yeah, I, sure. I, I, I did at the near post. I he did, he did. Like, I, was, I, I was quite shocked by that. But obviously, we commentate on, we, we've got our own goals. But has there ever been a goal where you've been sat as. Because obviously, the way we do the commentary, we do like normally do about 15 minutes each. Um, have you ever? Is there has there been a goal where you the other that maybe yourself, me, Andy, or Nick has commentated on when you think I wish I could have commentated on that goal? Um, not necessarily, no. Because the way in which we we do it is that you don't you don't go off. You had to go to the toilet or get get something to eat or drink for fifteen minutes. It's you know working as a team, and although yeah. one commentator will be generally describing all the audio, once something happens. Uh, the other person can not interject, but would come in with a fresh perspective or maybe you've noticed something else that's happening, or especially for the goals, you'll say as it's happening, but then someone else will come in and describe it sort of quite fresh and off the bat. Because when you're when you're describing absolutely everything that happens in a lead-up to a goal, you obviously don't know a goal's coming. It's quite easy to do it now if we watched it back in the knowledge that what, what was about to happen. But you're just saying, oh, you know, pass into here and there and where the ball is and who's got it. And then suddenly split second, something happens and you're in and it's a goal. So I think when, when an incredible goal is scored and the first person has, has describes the build-up and then the goal and then who's scored and, you know, obviously the decibels go up from yourself and the crowd you'll then speak to, to you know, the next person, a co-commentator will come in and they'll. I, I tend to try and bullet point, this is what's happened. And anything that you may not have described specifically, say the, the, the curl of the ball that they fell away as they kicked it or something like that, I'll just mm-hmm. try and uh, do that. If there was a goal that I didn't commentate on because I wasn't I wasn't involved uh, in the team on the day because there are four of us and we did two at a time so uh, we don't commentate on every game I think it would be the um, the Buffal goal against West Brom because although I don't envy whoever had to commentate on the game itself because it was it was nil nil and rubbish uh, as soon as that goal happened from Buffal and he picked the ball up in his own half and he didn't really anticipate anything would happen and he beat one man after another, I can imagine you'd get, as he got, as he beat every man, it would get more and more excitable and, and you'd just be hoping by the end of it that yeah. he found the finish for what is one of the best goals that um, you would ever see at St Mary's. For me, it would have to be the Ward Prowse free kick against Spurs because just purely for the way that that game went, the moment that he's hit it, I've seen many YouTube videos of actual crowd reactions to that goal. And I would have loved to have commentated either his free kick against Spurs or free kick against Watford. Either way, he's won it and the game's been turned around. You know what, actually, I was going to say, sorry, just to butt in there, I was going to say um, I wasn't, I didn't do the Watford game. But if there was a goal for me to have commentated on, so from a, from a quality point of view, obviously Buffal, but in terms of if I could have been involved in the commentary for a, a, a goal, just for the importance and the, the emotion of it, it would have been that Ward Prowse one against Watford because Saints were um, they weren't dead and buried, but that we we had two games coming up in the space of four days against Watford and Norwich. We've been on a real poor run. We we couldn't get out of the rut, and we needed performances and we won both those six pointers but the Watford one we won nil down mm. we were woeful in the first half and then we managed to get a goal back uh, by hook or by crook or by hand mm. and then um, and then for Walkhouse to, to step up because for a free kick it's quite it's quite easy you can describe everything that's happening it was in his territory and you can um, you know sort of compose yourself and say exactly what's happening because it's free kick and it's like it's the same as a penalty or any other set piece you're just waiting for it to be taken but yeah for the magnitude of the goal uh, that would have been a fantastic one to commentate on but one question I've got for you so sticking to the audio description theme what was if, if you remember a specific moment what would have been the moment during your audio description that you came the closest to actually 
celebrating like a fan or um, realising that you'd yeah, having to compose yourself and realise that you're there to do a job and act impartially because we do have away fans listening as well, sometimes quite a few. So um, you can't exactly just scream and shout and, no. and celebrate when goals been scored. But there are times as a Saints fan, me and you are Saints fans, the, the other two guys that do it aren't. Um, so from, from that perspective, it's probably easier for them. But are there any moments that you remember where... Uh, it was just such an important or such a good goal that you just wanted to jump off your seat and pound your chest, as it were. There is one. The result didn't go Saints' way in the end, but it was Shane Long's goal against Liverpool last season when he scored inside like the first five minutes. The atmosphere around the game, the atmosphere before the game, it was absolutely rocking. They had the light show. They had the pyrotechnics, flames. Liverpool. Yeah, it was the Friday night game. Yeah, the, um, Liverpool did go on to win uh, 3-1, but... No one really expected Liverpool, you know, we already discussed in previous episodes, just they were last season, although they didn't quite make it. They were like a train just going through opposition after opposition. So we weren't expecting anything. And commentating, we had we had Steve come down from our much sport and he's a Liverpool fan as well. So I was comment, like commentating with him. And then for the for the ball to drop inside like the six yard box to Shane Long, who, bless him, doesn't hit find the back of the net. As often as we would like, but he drilled it into the bottom corner. I have never heard St. Mary's louder than at that point. It was, even though with the headphones on, it was deafening. The noise when that goal yeah. went in, and I was, you know, obviously doing the description, but at the same time, just looking around and being like, this is manic. Like, even the roar against, uh, it might be because there's been quite a lot of time between the, uh, the game I'm going to compare it to that. Not sure, but even when we score, took the lead against Coventry, I can't remember it being that loud. And I don't know if it's because, like, when we're commentating, we, of course, we've got to be quiet. We can't scream and shout. We can't jump up and cheer. Um, we've got to remain as impartial as possible. And therefore, because we're sat back not actually celebrating, that you can maybe hear the the crowd's reaction clearly, more, more clearly around you. But I, it was absolutely fantastic and really unexpected. And Saints couldn't make it too... I'd argue, I'd argue maybe the other way. I'd argue that um, I mean we have to we have to have these these massive headphones on to cancel out the noise, but also so we can hear each other and ourselves. Well, not so much ourselves, but so you can hear what the com- what's happening with the commentary. So so compare being in amongst the crowd when a goal goes in and being we're still in amongst them, but at a time when you've got big massive headphones on, you don't you don't hear sometimes when it's not your fifteen minutes and you just take a, a quick rest, have a drink and maybe take your headphones off if you're kind of um, getting a, a sweaty ears or something, you'll hear the obvious difference in the crowd, even when there's not no singing or no, or no cheering going on, just just muttering and, and general crowd noise. Um, for, for myself, I think one that stands out is when, um, it was last season when Palace came down and again, every game we need a win and our home form was so poor and it was the one where uh, Walprouse and, and Zaha well, they've had a few to be fair, but we're having a bit of a, a spat. But in this, in this time, it was getting more and more heated, and we it was a game that we we felt we should be winning, and we were um, really good in that game. But they they took uh, they took the lead, did Palace, and then right near the end, we we really piled on the pressure, and the bowl came from Ward Prowse from the from the right hand side. I think he was right wing back, and he he, he came in and scored. And that was the point because we, we we were so desperate for that goal in that time because I felt like that we, I think we felt that was the game in that general period where we needed to get some points. Um, and then after that, it was so sort of um, uplifting, excitable, and the crowd and everything that I remember from that point until the end of the game, um, I barely took a breath because it was a hundred miles an hour and, and Saints had two or three really. Um, excellent chances and it was just the buzz of the crowd um, the whole sort it was quite a meaty game with a lot of tackles going in and, and flying around it was a really a, a good game and a good 10 minute period to commentate on have you got any more uh, questions about the audio description side of things in particular or, or, or the rest of mine are generally fan based that might be worth I've, I've got one more I've got I've got one more which I suppose you know could be audio description and could be uh uh, as a fan but before I do that that Crystal Palace game 
uh, it was very similar to the one this season because I remember they went one one nil up, and then out of nowhere their defender decided that he was going to put Danny Ings through on goal. Yeah. And then obviously I remember because we did that game together that chance where Jenepo took it round everybody, and you know he, you know he got like ten yards out, and you thought this is going in, this is going in, and then um, Grayton made an incredible save. I, I remember you you had the commentary for that chance. And uh, that would probably be like the second closest I've come to like jumping out of my seat because I thought, you know, this is going to go in. He's going to get the winner. And then for a guy to, to pull off that incredible save, Saints put on so much pressure at the end of the game. The other question I got regarding the audio description is turning away from Saints, who's your favourite opposition player to have commentated on? Obviously, as Saints fans, we would like Saints to win the game, but we got to remain impartial, which... You know which opposition player whilst commentating has got you out of your seat. Uh, it's difficult. I think we mentioned in previous uh, podcasts that I've kind of got a memory, like I said, when it comes to opposition players. Because although as a fan, it takes something for me to actually notice what's happening from an opposition's point of view. If a goal goes in, then it will be because of Saints' bad defending or something like that. As a commentator, I suppose you're just more of a, a neutral perspective as much as you can. But nothing really stands out apart from when Man City came to play Saints. And it's never been so difficult to commentate on a football team because of the way that they were passing the ball so quickly. And around the edge of the area, that chance of being created and it's really difficult to keep people up to date with every pass and everything where the ball is on the pitch when it's when there's a, a one and two or, or three or four passes really quickly in tricky areas near the goal all of a sudden there's a chance and there could be a goal and, and you feel like you haven't managed to describe it and that's why we, we then try and recap it and David Silva um, is at the heart of all of those sorts of things um, and every time he got the ball he was he's composed on it and, and he was just he was making our lives difficult in terms of commentators I think you did that game with me yeah. um, but in terms of actually describing what was happening he was too quick for us and and the Saints defence I think they I think they beat us I think they beat us 2-0 or something but it got to a point where the last 15 minutes essentially were I was just commentating on Man City passing the ball around their back line and defence and Saints really wouldn't go for it because they didn't want to leave themselves open so it it went from being the most frantic to possibly one of the most boring to commentate on completely the same David Silva stands out you know the amount of times they're just switching play so quickly it was a joy to commentate on and then you're right the first half everything happened and then the second half Man City decided that they're just going to play it in between their back four and I don't think I've ever said Laporte and Otamendi more in a football match than those two just passing it to each other okay so we talked about um, opposition players now that's about the audio description now you say you got a few questions that is uh, more about us as fans yeah so uh, a, a, a mixture let's, what's the best Southampton goal you've seen live and in person so uh, actually being at the stadium for it's, it's quite difficult I find it difficult to remember whether I was there for the game, whether I watched it on TV live, or whether I've just seen it countless times on YouTube or on Match of the Day or something, because I find it difficult when I think back to to remember where I was, because I think even if you were there watching the game, you see it so many times afterwards. One one that I do remember being there for in the earlier days is... uh, is Rory Delap's goal against Tottenham. It's always one that comes back to mind. I think there are probably countless superb Saints goals that I've witnessed in person and have just phased out of my memory altogether until you actually see it again somewhere and think, oh yeah, bloody hell, what a good goal that was. And especially all the goals that you would have seen from the likes of Lambert in, in recent years. But that that goal from Rory Delap, where you probably remember the one I talk about, I was in the Chapel oh, Stand okay. season ticket and it was like, uh, it wasn't an overhead, but it was sort of a ball came up to London Barm towards the back post and quite deep and he headed it up back into the mixer and, and he just it was just such a surprise because Rory Delap isn't someone that you associate such elegance in the air and such class and such flair but he he just rose above everyone and uh, I don't know how he managed to get his entire body so high and vertical uh, and horizontal sorry but he he just scissor kicked it and it went into the into the top corner of the near post I just remember erupting it was right in front of me I was behind that goal and, and that's why I remember so so vividly the other ones I remember vividly actually I only just thought of this one but was when Lundabam himself 
I've completely forgotten about this, but actually describing the build-up to that one is when he scored his second goal for Saints and his only home goal. Um, he'd scored against Wolves in that famous goal away from home where he'd, Klaus had been there for 10 years and never scored. Yeah. It's kind of like banana. But he scored a goal at St Mary's against Cardiff in the Championship. And I remember being behind the goal for that game, and that was a that was a real moment. But the the one that's the one that stands out above the rest is um, I was fortunate enough to be there for the last game of the season at, at the Dow. And uh, although I was only young, been about ten, I guess, and I've seen that a million times since. Just the, the fairy tale ending of, of Letizia coming on and scoring. He wasn't in the best of shape towards the end of his career, especially then. But to come on and still do that against a team like Arsenal was uh, was ridiculous. And I'm, I'm glad I'll always be able to say that I was there for that. That's one goal that I wish I had seen. Though I think the best goal that I've seen, like you said, there's probably loads that you can't quite remember. I mean, being season ticket holder during League One and Championship, players like Lambert and Alana, there's going to be a few goals in there that will be lost because there's just so many you can't remember each and every one. But in terms of one I've seen live, the one I've that comes to mind has got to be Kuko Martina against Arsenal. I happen to be sat right behind the perfect angle to just watch it banana into the bottom corner. And it was really weird and I'm not like someone saying, oh yeah, you could all, you, you could say that about anything. But I said to my mate that, you know, Saints were going into the game on the back of horrific form. And I was just joking to my friend as we went to it, just saying, oh, I bet you Martina's going to score an absolute worldie. And he, we both laughed to it. And then, of course, he steps up, absolutely smashes it, bends one of the best goals I've ever seen into the bottom corner. I'm just thinking, crikey. No, I'm not giving lottery numbers out this week. And the- you should have put, put a bet on that one, shouldn't you? You get good odds for him scoring a tap in, let alone that goal. Were you, were you behind the goal in the Northern Stand? Were you behind? I was, ba- I, I was at the so other end. And, um, Martino needs to be going towards the fans and then coming back in. What is strange, actually, is that later on in that game, we got the corner and I said, um, I said, I turned my mate and I was just like, Oh yeah, this is three 0 Fonte, and then he scored, and we didn't. We Fonte scored. We didn't actually celebrate. We just looked at each other with a look of like, "How did you do that? You need to stop." Um, so yeah, I should have should have put should have put a bet on. Another one that comes to mind is also against Arsenal, and that's Sadio Mane from pretty much the byline. Oh, yeah. He managed just to curl it all the way round into the goal, and again that one caught me by surprise. I'd say though those two, you know, there's. Lambert free kicks. Any Lambert penalty is a fantastic goal because the ball pretty much hits the back of the net before the goalkeeper has even moved. So in terms of technical ability, that's wonderful. One goal that I wish had happened in League One when we played Oldham, uh, that was when Alex Chamberlain scored his first proper league goal. I remember at the very end of the game, he took it round everybody and then hit the post. Now, if that had, and I, one memory I have of that is Lee Barnard pretty much in the middle, just like screaming for it. And Alex Chamberlain was just going like, no, I'm going to go past everybody. And then it hit the post. And I just thought if that had gone in, that would have been absolutely brilliant. But it didn't. I mean, you know, you've got a special talent as well because he was about 16, wasn't he, at that stage? Yeah. Anyway, you know, if he'd scored that, who knows what he would have gone to. But what happened to him anyway? <laughs> what about so, so that was the best one that you did see. What game, rather than a goal, do you wish you had been around to see? And let's limit this to ones that actually, you know, you were alive for, so not the kind of 76 Cup final and all the rest of it. Ones that you potentially would have had the chance or, or could have tried to get tickets for um, and for one reason or another weren't able to go. But in your sort of lifetime, you wish you'd been around to see life. In my lifetime, it'd probably have to be, you know, to witness that Letizia last goal at the Dell. At that time, I would have only been about four or five, so it would have meant nothing to me. But I think in terms of like a moment, in terms of a moment, one thing that always stands out to me is... I don't know if I've got tickets to it, but the fact that I didn't even see it even on television, considering what a big game it was. I I never saw the Shane Long winner against Liverpool live. I only heard it. I know. I never watched it. I couldn't bring myself to watch that game. I was, you know, I was almost like like a wreck. I was just like um, updating BBC. I couldn't bring myself to watch it. And I'd already seen like I'd already seen a clip of Fraser Forster. Uh, dropping the ball and then making a miraculous save on the line. The only way I knew that we'd scored was my mate, who's a Man United fan, was watching the game. And he just sent me a text of long 
in about with about forty O's in it. What were you doing? What, where were you? I, I was at my uh, I was at my uni house, and I was just you know I couldn't bring my, because I, I knew that I'd just be like so tense. I they used to do football on uh, on a Wednesday, so I went out and played that. So it would have been at least half time by the time I got back. And I thought I'm going to keep myself busy. I'm going to have a shower, you know, get make, make myself some food, and, and then. I, I was hiding. I was hiding from the game. I'd never saw the goal live, which I wish that I had. And I, my mate was like, "You're not even a real fan if you can't watch that game live." And I was just, I was thinking, "Yeah, I know. No, I'm a terrible person." But obviously, when Long scored, and you knew that we were going to Wembley, those two months in between that goal being scored and the build-up to the final, and every Saints, so we lost the next game five 0 at home to Arsenal, and nobody cared. They were just like, "Yeah, we're going to Wembley anyway." So. You know, what's a 5 0 loss? FA Cup, though, was that? Yeah, it was FA Cup. Who, know, who, who cares about the FA Cup? Okay. You know? What about you? Just to touch on that, I don't think I, re- I remember ever celebrating a goal as much when not being in a stadium as Shane Long. I think the closest one come, that, that came to that was um, was Gabbiadini at Swansea. And I think they've they come hand in hand because I was watching at the same pub surrounded by Saints fans for, for both games and at the times I just remember being completely drenched in, in alcohol because um, it's just, just just those scenes that you see you saw from the from the World Cup in 2018 yeah, just where um, every time the ball went in it would be in the sun but it would be just beer flying absolutely everywhere for me there are two, there are two games uh, I would have loved to have been at Fratton Park to watch us stuff and 4-0 I've been there before and almost seen us beat them. Uh, they equalised right near the end. It was in our season where we got promoted and they got relegated and Lambert scored. And then right near the end, they got an equaliser. So I hadn't quite managed to see that away victory at the enemy. But uh, to, have, to have seen us win and so convincingly and not, not be worried of a comeback from sort of 60 minutes on would have been immense. The other one that I wish I'd gone to, and actually I probably should have, but I had a season ticket in, in, the, in the year that we got to the playoffs in the championship and, um, and I went to the home leg. I was a ball boy in that, and I had a season ticket. So I remember alternating with someone from school in that, in that year and we were in the Northern stand for, for the first game but we lost to Derby. Andrew Sermon scoring after five minutes, top corner. But I never went to the away leg and I think the reason being that it was on a Wednesday night and I had uh, a GCSE in the morning that I needed to prepare for. So I, I listened to it on the radio because I didn't have Sky in the time. And and that, although, although it didn't turn out particularly well, just the actual game and for, for 90 minutes, after extra time, just for 90 minutes for that. And the people I've spoken to at the time said that you know, it was probably the best atmosphere they've ever heard. And although they'd lost, just to see that the Rassiak goal for the equaliser towards the end was was massive extra time and then especially penalties after that obviously not great but uh, what a game and I just remember the yellow wall thinking oh you know we should have gone and been a part of that I could have done without a GCSE in media studies I'm sure oh that with with that game I must have been about 10 or whatever I was listening to it on the radio uh, I, was, I was in bed and I was thinking yep yeah, we, we've, we've lost and then Rajiak scored and it was absolutely fantastic and then my mum came up and was like you've you know, you got school early in the morning. I'll tell you what the result is in the morning. So I woke up the next day and they're like, oh, yeah, they lost. And it's just like, oh, that's that's. I just remember, I remember thinking after three minutes what a good decision it was to put my education first and get a, get a you know, I got a good mark in the end. I'm sure I would have anyway. It was only media studies. But I, as soon as Darren Moore scored after three minutes and we were 3-1 down, I thought, I think I went down, I think I went downstairs and said to my dad, oh, yeah, they've scored already. And then by the time I got back upstairs, VFR had equalised and I was straight back down again saying, oh, game on, Dad, game on. So, um, yeah, I think I just some of my fondest memories with that squad and that, that season. One memory that's actually just come to mind with like the, one of the most I've celebrated a goal without actually being there or even watching it has got to be Brighton away in League One where we scored two goals in the last three minutes or so to win that. Jose Font, I wish I could have been there. There's a fantastic video on YouTube of some of someone in the Brighton end filming the away end when that goal goes in, and there's just limbs everywhere. And it was when Brighton were at the with Dean where they had that weird athletics track with a few IKEA prop up stands at the end of it. 
And that I for the Wimbledon as a strange it's not a, I would have rather gone for that game. I think I went with a fan who supported Woking at uni and we all went down there for a day out, but uh, yeah, strange stadium. It's just in, in, almost in Woodland and it's an athletics track and there are some seats there, but not many. <laughs> I mean, they've got a fantastic stadium now, you know, heated seats, padded seats. The away end is meant to be really, really nice, like one of the best away days to go for. Talk about away days. I, I've only been to a few, so I don't have a huge number to choose from. But what's your what's your best away day memory and what's your worst away day memory? That is, that's a difficult one to whittle down because there have been some really good ones and there have been some absolute shockers. I mean, this is, this is, I probably do an entire podcast just on, on awful and brilliant away games. I, I remember one of, one of the early ones that I went to when we were in the Premier League the first time around. Me and my dad and I think a couple of uncles went to Tottenham um, and we made the mistake of um, letting him direct us on the tube so he decided for some reason and I remember my dad saying are you sure are you sure we shouldn't yeah, we shouldn't go to this one and go in this direction he was like no 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 best best place to go is Heathrow so we got we got a, we drove up to Heathrow and then we got on the tube for what was a ridiculous uncountable and, and number of, of tube stops got there a lot later than we thought we'd want to went in we were 3-0 down at half-time, barely had a kick. Peter Crouch scored a header just after half-time. Then we went down 4-1, and knowing what a long trip home we had, we left at that point, and even after outside the ground as we got on the bus or on the tube or whatever it was, oh, Robbie Keane's just scored, it's 5-1, and we were absolutely miserable that day. Um, the team were awful, and yeah, one of the reasons we got relegated. So I remember another one as well in the Championship, we went, up to the Molyneux and uh, they were top of the league and we it was the season we got relegated to League One with Mark Rotter in charge and uh, and we were 3-0 down inside 19 minutes and that was the end result we managed to grind it out but I just remember after just the entire game uh, from a from a Saints away fan perspective it was you just trying to make a light of it and yeah. we were right at the front because you sit along you sit along the side the length of the stands there and I remember Richard Stearman was a right back and was only sort of six feet away from us for the entire game, uh, just constantly shouting, Stearman! <laughs> you could tell they were really getting on his nerves and that was that was what, what it all became about. In terms of the best games, away games, I, the first one I went to where I just went with my friends, we just lost that playoff final, lost all of our players, looked like we were going to be in a relegation battle and we decided it was a good idea to uh, spend all our money and go up to Sheffield to watch us play recently relegated Sheffield United who uh, had parachute payments and one of the favourites to go up um, and we went 1-0 down and it looked like it was going to be one of those days and we ended up with 2-1 VFR with the winner and, I, and, and that was that was just a great day all round but probably the best away game and not counting finals and, and at neutral venues but I loved going to Fulham just as a good day out London ones are the best anyway you get the train you have a few beers Fulham's got some great pubs around it a great walk to the ground and we won 5-0 and it was when Jay Rodriguez scored in the top corner from that Lambert um, pass yeah, yeah, yeah. we won 3-0 and they, the front four were, were incredible but probably the best one do you remember Al Sacco? oh with uh, uh, QPR QPR yeah yeah so we, both of us were bottom two and whoever lost Adkins, who was our manager, or um, or Hughes, were, were getting the sack essentially, and we went up there and and um, completely outclassed them and won three one, and that was some massive game for us, having just got into the Premier League and not started well, um, and that was a that was a point where I mean Adkins did get the sack a couple of months later, but for different reasons. And that, that was a, a huge game. I remember me and my me and my best mate went up there on the on the train, a few beers in, and went to a few pubs. So it was just a really good uh, good away day. How about how about yourself? Well, you said you haven't been too too many, but what ones stand out? Well, thankfully, I think I've only watched Saints lose twice, and I've maybe been on like six or seven away days. But um, return for Saints. Yeah, not not bad. I mean, I went to I went to Loughborough Uni, so that was really close to Leicester. So I went to 
Leicester away two years in a row. I suppose that was the worst one because I took my um, my mate from uni, he is a Leicester fan, into the away end. And that was when Leicester won 2-0. When it was the season, it was Koeman's first season when it was that point where the early form had fizzled out. We were struggling to score and it was a case of we're going to finish seventh. I don't think we can finish any lower than seventh anyway. Um, so the game is pretty meaningless. There's only a couple of games to go. That wasn't the season they won. No, no, that was the season, that was the season before. Where it was the season before where they were they they were pretty much nailed on to go down and then they produced a run of results right at the very end. They went 2-0 up. Yeah, they went to they went Tunnel up. Saints didn't look like they were going to get back into it at all. Heller strolled around as if he was like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm done for the year." So it was a pretty flat performance. Then obviously the, went to Leicester away the year after, where we played really quite well. I still, to this day, do not know how Danny Simpson stayed on the pitch and a penalty wasn't awarded when Mane went round Schmeichel to make it one 0 and Simpson pretty much just leant into the ball with his hand on the line. Clear as day, but obviously Leicester winning the league. Yeah, the handball and then fully put his arm in, in into his chest forward and blocked the ball on the line. So that was that was ridiculous. Leicester went on to win the league. That was remarkable. In terms of both both games were in brilliant sunshine. So I haven't had a game where I've just been like in the rain thinking, I just want to go home. This is dreadful. Why did I spend my money and time to travel? I went to Stoke away. Now I understand why people don't do Stoke away because the stadium is on the top of a hill. It's incredibly windy. The walk from the train station to the stadium is just through miles of concrete. And we won 2-1. That was when Pella decided that he was going to turn it on and Mane got sent off for elbowing someone in the face. And then it was turned out that it, he didn't elbow the person in the face at all. Um, so the, the so in terms of an actual that way... Was that midweek? Was that a cup game? No, no, no. That was, that was, that was in, again in the 15-16 season when Saints had that green and blue sash kit. And we went 2-0 up. Uh, we could have made it three because... Shane Long and Dusan Tadic were through two on one. Long played it across to Tadic. And because Tadic did ne- never, ever used his right foot, spent about five years trying to get it onto his left foot. By that time, about four Stoke defenders had got on the line and he missed it. And I was just I, I was just thinking, if we screw this up because he hasn't taken it first time with his right foot, it's an open goal. But that was right. But my favourite away day has got to be in League One, 2011, Leighton Orient, where... Out, away fans almost outnumbered the home fans. We won 2 0, great sunshine. Lee Barnard with the most unwarranted celebration I think I've ever seen, where he scored with like five minutes to go and decided that he was going to run over to the Leighton Orient family stand and give them so much abuse and run past, which I thought was like, Lee, calm down. There are children there. You don't need to run screaming and shouting at them just because they're giving you a bit of stick. You're going to go over to the family stand and give them what for. Now, it's like in Orient, Lee. Like in Orient, we're 2-0 up. Just, just sell down, mate. That was one of those games in League One that we actually managed to perform without Lalana because I remember that we couldn't create anything without him. And we had Ryan Dixon uh, playing at left midfield. It was not quite the same, not quite the, at least with Ryan Dixon, you don't get 20 Cruyff turns before a cross comes in. Yeah, but, at least the cross comes in and it's damn good. Um, but, and, uh, but that reminds me, actually, that, yeah. that reminds me of a game. I, I went, similar atmosphere, I went to Crystal Palace the season we got prior to the Premier League and, and we won 2-0, Lambert got two goals. Uh, of course, and that was the the sort of the second coming of Dalhurst Park, just famously at the time when when Miss Lampton way back when in the nineties took up an entire length of a stand, and we did it again at Dalhurst Park uh, that season because obviously we were on on an absolute brilliant run, back to back promotions looking like they were happening, and we won two 0 But you you reminded me then with, with the um, with the sort of League One stadia that you can go to in the pool games and bad weather it wasn't bad weather but I remember when we got relegated from the championship and we were once again one of we'd just been taken over I think and we were once again one of the big teams in the division and it was Lambert's first league game and uh, people outside handing out uh, bits of paper that had lyrics to his to his song that, which was the same as the Torres one you know Samson's yeah. goal machine and that's where it sort of all stemmed from and we went up there it was Tuesday night against Swindon and we were absolutely terrible and we lost 1-0 and me and two of my friends just walking away thinking what on earth did we do 
that for? Oh, <laughs> why would you go to Swindon on a Tuesday night and watch your Saints team lose 1-0? But I think sometimes with away games, it's what, it's what you make of it as well. I mean, it may not have been the best or most memorable games ever that are the best ones. But I'll just tell you a quick story. We went to, me and, me and two of my mates went to watch Swansea Saints. And it was season, Cooman season. And Wanyama scored about 10 minutes from the end in the top corner. And we won 1-0. And Swansea were a good side then as well. It was a really good win, um, both top half teams. But it was the only thing that went right the entire time we were there because we, we drove up there. We somehow realised at one point that we were in Wales and we hadn't crossed the, the bridge. So we didn't know where the sat-nav had taken us. So we were already a little bit delayed. We must have got up there about midday, and it's a three o'clock kickoff. Phoned up to ask the guy, because we were staying in a hotel in a B&B, phoned up to ask if they're a wedding park. He sort of told us, like, this is an Australian guy. We turned up at this place, and it didn't look great. Knocked the door, and he kind of just opened the door, didn't want us to see what was inside, came out. This guy was just like some fat ginger guy with like a goatee. He was wearing like a stained vest, absolutely massive gut, tracksuit shorts just came out it's Australian guy I'm not going to do the accent but he essentially just went oh yeah um, I think he said we've got, got plumbing, plumbing problems so you can't stay but here's your here's your deposit back and gave us like 20 quid in pound coins <laughs> we, were, we were pissing ourselves laughing whilst our other mates were to sit there and with his hands out like yeah please sir can have some more <laughs> so we we then realised that we had nowhere to stay so shoved all the stuff in the car I think we tried a couple of places because it's all down the promenade on the beach and stay anywhere we thought oh, yeah, worst comes to worst we'll just stay we'll sleep in the car if we have to we'll have a good night in Swansea and then see, see where we go from there then we, we decided to have a few beers in, in the pub next to those hotels uh, and we were like the only ones in there watching the early game just laughing at what was going on and was speaking to the landlord and it obviously transpired that we you know what happened and where we were supposed to stay and all the rest of it and he sort of said oh yeah I, I know that place is probably a blessing blah 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 we haven't got any rooms here they've just been a couple of rooms but we've got people staying this weekend so I can't help you but let me go and try and help you out took us down the road to somewhere we'd already been I think and asked and just said you know can you help these guys out have you got any rooms because sometimes they keep something back so we um, just went with him and thought okay well, you know give it a go mate by this time it's probably about two o'clock the early game's just finishing and we're not even anywhere near the stadium yet <laughs> and, uh, and we go in there and at this point I'm thinking we'll just take a utility room or something if we're with the mattress or yeah. somewhere to kit and she, she said oh no I haven't got anywhere to stay and he said come on you know, you know you, they obviously knew each other and she said oh, okay we've got a couple of places we can put them and there were two rooms one was a twin and one was um, either a single or a double we went in this one room that was the single or the double and uh, they said oh we're renting this room out because it's um, it just had this massive massive stain in the middle of the floor and it was red oh dear <laughs> it had been some massacre but yeah the bed was fine and uh, my mate stayed in there and then there was some other room that were two twins I can't remember what was wrong with that but we yeah we bit of hand off and said we'll take it and then the guy who'd helped us obviously we went back to the pub and the guy who'd helped us was like oh I'll, I'll give you you know how are you get into the stadium he said oh, I don't know, probably got a taxi I think I remember we phoned the taxi and we waited outside for like 20 minutes and it just didn't turn up and the guy ended up saying I'll, I'll drive you up there and we got there went in uh, I think there's like you get a Swansea and there's like everywhere now it's like a KFC outside yeah. uh, a, a harvester pub so sort of got something to eat had a quick drink and then went up to the stadium in time for kickoff. and then after that it was uh, we, you know, we won one nil. had a few irate Welshmen outside the ground afterwards but we were you know, obviously we were um, we didn't care about that arrogantly walking through so chatting in England and they uh, and, and then a good night Swansea's a really good night out actually uh, ironically Englishmen three Englishmen in, in Wales uh, in an Irish pub so yeah, it's just it, it, everything about that weekend leading up to the game made me think, oh, we know where this is going to go. We're going to get absolutely stuffed. It's going to be an awful weekend. But big Victor Wanyama turned it around for us. That, that he did. Day. He did. It was a good. It was a good finish. Um, I don't have quite the story. Are you sure you didn't check under the uh, the hotel floorboards for any you know any smells coming up there? Anyone who'd recently gone missing? We didn't want 
want to, mate. We don't, we don't want to know. We just want to somewhere to stay. <laughs> what you want out of sight, out of mind. That was, that was well, awesome. you know, if you if you just ignore it, it didn't happen. Another away day I did was Arsenal away in the League Cup in 2014-15, Cooman's first season. I went with my dad because he's got a flat in London, which isn't too far. So we went and I uh, went to, we went there. And as we were queuing outside the turnstile, the group of Arsenal fans were just like walked past going like, well done for turning up, lads. Unlucky. You did well. So, uh, but you know, the Arsenal are going through and we were just saying, Okay, then go into the ground. Alexis Sanchez with a free kick made it 1-0 and thinking, yep, yeah, we'll probably play well and we'll just lose. It was annoying because I was in the away end and where I was, the crossbar of our end completely obscured the view of the goal of the other end. So obviously we saw Klein hit that absolute worldie from 40 yards, didn't actually see it hit the back of the net. But judging by the fans around us, they knew that it had gone in. We didn't know it. But then when Arsenal were like battering on the door in the second half, going to win it, every time the ball just went towards the box, it's just like, I can't see anything. I just got to hope that they don't start cheering. And uh, we ended up playing really, really well. That was Sadio Mane's debut. He was really good in that game, actually. And um... How far did we get in that tournament? Because... I remember, I remember the kit. I remember the blue one with like the yellow armpits, armpits yeah. weirdly. And then, but I also remember we didn't we beat Arsenal on the way to to the final as well under Puel. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, and. Uh, under Puel, we beat them 2-0 at the Emirates. That was in that black kit with the sort of like the, the grey silver across the chest. That was that was when um, Jordi Classy hit it from the edge of the box and then Bertrand scored and then Arsenal played like the kids. We wore the white kit in the final, didn't we? Yeah. The year with the, um, the Klein worldie from about 40 yards, we got actually quite far. And then we had Sheffield United in the quarters and we lost to them 1-0. And I remember Gardosh, I think that was his name, Florin Gardosh. Wow, he he, he went, he, where, where on earth did he go? He got sent off. Sheffield United scored. That was when we had a front three due to injuries and the number of games we were playing. I think we had a front three of Mane, Bertrand and Shane Long, which um, at that point, with all of them out of form, did not exactly scream goals. But yeah, we lost 1-0. I couldn't quite believe it because we were on such a good run. Obviously, we won the 8-0. We kept on we kept on winning. We beat Hull. We beat Leicester. We were, when we, well, by the time we came to play Man City, it was like second versus third, which was remarkable considering that we'd been demolished in the summer with all the players leaving. And then I think we lost four games in a row. But then again, we had City, United, Arsenal, Chelsea all in a row. And then you got to Sheffield United and you thought, OK, let's just get the win, you know, start them out. And then we lost that one as well. And then we lost to Burnley, Ashley Barnes again. I, I, if there's one player I dislike, and then we beat Everton three 0 and everything was fine again. But <laughs> you didn't, um, you didn't go to that Sheffield United game, then. I did not go to that Sheffield United game. I was watching it at home and just thinking, this is absolutely dreadful. I think the closest we came to scoring a goal was like Ward Prowse, uh, Ward Prowse free kick, and we were just toothless for the rest of the night. And I remember um, that's um, that's winning the game. I was. I was talking about as well, I had like one shot the whole game. Just, just one quick thing, um, just one quick, yeah, because Sheffield United would have been mid-table championship then, wouldn't they? There probably a million games that I could think of and I've forgotten about, uh, but when you said Arsenal, I, I was there for the uh, the 6-1 loss, so it's generally my my trips to North London for league games are not particularly good, we've lost 5-1 to Tottenham, and then that, it was that, sec- it was that uh, fourth game since we came up uh, to the Premier League, and we were 4 one down at half time. Um, that was when Yoshida made his uh, Yoshida made his debut, and Ramir, Gaston Ramirez, the hysteria behind that. Uh, Danny Fox actually scored our goal with the belter. But yeah, I, I remember um, we were five one down, and everyone was just kind of laughing about it, much like that Wolves game. And uh, and they brought on Walcott, and he he missed, he skewed a shot. And uh, I started up a chant of that's why we that's why we let you go. And then he um, he scored five minutes later. Back five, but then again at five at five one down, it's the little victories that you can try and take. So should we, we'll go for one more question because I believe that it's getting closer to the Southampton streaming the uh, the full ninety of the Saints Pompey match. Oh yeah, good. 
good point here. I'll mention that to you earlier. I don't realize what the time was. Let me ask you a current question. We'll have one each then. Let's go through this quickly. Yeah. Because I knew we'd talk about away days for ages. I said to you, you've always got anecdotes. Right now, you're, you're, you're Saints manager. Season finishes one way or another. That's a different topic of conversation. Realistically, if you could sign three players for next season to add to that squad to try and push us to where we where we want to be, what, what positions and what players are you, are you going for? I'm going for mainly defenders because I think that attacking-wise we're we're okay for the moment. But it's the defence that we need to shore up, especially in the right back position. I'm thinking it might take. Obviously, he's got a lot of suitors, but maybe trying to get Matty Cash at right back would be. No, he's, he's one of mine. He's one of mine. I'm, I'm with you on that. If not him, then go for um, Myler, who we've been linked for for decades now. So he, though I think Matty Cash and Myler, because, you know, it's unlikely that we'll sign Walker Peters on a permanent deal. Who knows? It might even run out. I think I prefer Cash, to be honest. Yeah. I think it's likely. I think they've been linked previously. I think he fits the mould. Young, hmm. English, wouldn't cost, well, in the current scheme of things, wouldn't cost an awful lot of money. And he's, con- he's a converted, uh, he used to be a winger, didn't he? He, was, yeah. he wasn't always a fullback. So, um, so in the current, day and age he's perfect for the sort of football that um, that you want to be playing in the Premier League another player I've got now this one maybe is in the slight realms of maybe not so realistic but if they were to go down then obviously he's a good talent obviously we've got Angus Gunn he's not he hasn't obviously none of the players have played for a while but he certainly has been out of the team consistently for a while McCarthy is a very good goalkeeper, but you know, if we want to be trying to push up the table, we want to go from trying to upgrade that position. If Bournemouth were to go down, I'd say have a pop at trying to get Aaron Ramsdale. I think he's been fantastic for them. He's young, he's English, he's a great, he's a really good talent. Again, that might be a little unrealistic because you know, while Saints might have a look at that, are Bournemouth going to sell to Saints and also our bigger clubs going to be having a look at Aaron Ramsdale, especially if Bournemouth were to get relegated. Aside from Matty Cash, because we seem to both have a loving for him, who else would you go for? I think we, I think we desperately need a centre-back, although I'm struggling for suggestions because I don't think there are an awful lot in this country that stand out. And of those teams that might potentially go down, I'm not sure who would really suit our style of play. Um, there are a few abroad. My, my knowledge is, is deteriorated slightly in, in terms of the centre-backs in, in the foreign leagues. I know um, I know there's one, what's his name, from Leipzig that you, uh, that you oh, like. Oh, um, um, Upamecano, Opa, but he's more in the realms of yeah. the Arsenal's and the Spurs, isn't now. Yeah, exactly. I think last season you sort of mentioned him and, and he's... He's gone on. There's there's a good one that I saw actually today that has come into the Leverkusen team since January. Begins with a Y, um, and he he's a, a good ball playing centre back. You have to have a look have a look at him. I can't remember what his name is, but I think they might you, know, you might get sort of Man United fans might laugh at this, but I think it would be worth, especially with um, the way that transfer market might go and and Solskjaer seems very confident that he'll be able to bring in some big players because certain clubs might have to sell. They're talking about the likes of Atletico Madrid might have to sell the best players and like Felix. But I think it would be a really uh, useful sign-in for us, for the player and for Man United if we tried to get Greenwood on a loan for the season because I don't see him playing a massive I think he's brilliant and I think right now the way things are he probably would get a bit of a go in the team here and there I just don't see it happening if they're going to go out and try and spend a lot of money on players and would you rather he had a season at his age in the Premier League playing up day in week in week out in a, in a front two with Danny Ings or playing the odd game you know, on a Thursday night in Europe you know, where he, he, he get minutes here and there. Because I also think he's looking to play in, in the Euros, as we mentioned in our last podcast. Like, I'm a real fan of him, and I think from a Saints point of view, he would be just the kind of player off the shoulder. Danny English drops in, plays, plays him in behind. He's a great finisher with both feet. The work hard because he's young. And for him and his, his progress, and for Manchester United, what better team to send one of your youth prospects to on loan with um, with Southampton's history in that department, but also with a manager you know is looking 
to develop young players. The only the only sticking point potentially is that I'm not sure Saints are looking to loan players because obviously we're trying to develop players for ourselves, and you know I don't think we'd have a chance of signing him permanently. So that that would be the only thing. But you never know with the, the current circumstance. I don't think we. I, I don't. You know, we we might be in a position where we have to rely on loans, much like everyone else. I've just I've just looked up the uh, the centre back as well. His name is Edmund Tapsoba, um, twenty one years old, but he's uh, he looks pretty pretty useful as well. Yeah, I think Greenwood would be a really good addition. Will United let him go? Like, but as you said, if they're trying to be a real force in the transfer market once again, Greenwood would probably fall to the wayside in terms of getting minutes. And Saints, a fantastic club to go to. We saw how much it benefited Lukaku to go to West Brom for a season. He was absolutely fantastic. Partnered with Shay Long as well. I think Greenwood is actually really. It all depends really on how. As you say, how Man United do in in I mean, their team. I guess Sancho. Yeah, they've got Rashford. You get Rashford, Sancho, James, Martial. Yeah, Igalo signed for them. I mean, there's a lot of players up there, so yeah, why not? Why not exactly. try and put a bid in? We've now. This is all we've got time for because obviously. Coming up very fast is the full 90 minutes of Saints 4-0 win at Fratton Park earlier this season. One not to be missed. We hope you've enjoyed this chat as we've had a stroll down memory lane. If there's anything that you'd like us to discuss about Saints that we didn't mention in this podcast, or if you've got a good away day that you have fond memories of, or what is the worst away day that you've been to, then do let us know. My name is Tom Murray. My name is Callum Wilson, and this has been Under the Lights, Kings and Corner.